Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Friday, August 5th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians get shut down by Justin Verlander and the Astros on Thursday night. Uh, four rookies in the lineup for Cleveland, and uh, Verlander takes full advantage of that, uh, dominating the Guardians lineup. Uh, and, and really, Cleveland was just not able to get anything going offensively. Uh, and, and another just... <laughs> A typical Zach Plesak outing, I guess, where, you know, he's battling and he's fighting. He's got a lot of traffic, a lot of walks. But, you know, you look up and they had at one point had had 10 base runners, but only one run. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I mean, he faced, I think he had 18, he had, uh, you know, faced 18 batters in the first three innings, Joe. He strands, he strands fives, gives up two hits. And uh, in the first, in the, then in the then they they load the bases again in the in the uh, in the third. He finally gives up a run, but by that time his pitch count is over seventy. And you know, and he, there's no way he gets. You know, it, it was a miracle he got as deep into the game as he did. And this guy just he, he looks lost to me, Joe. He 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 needs to. Uh, I don't know if they need to option him or or something. You know, they they need to. Uh, he needs to uh, regroup somewhere. It's a, it's a combination of he's not hitting his spots. He's not locating his pitches like he needs to. And he's not giving up hard contact. He's not giving up a lot of, you know, deep drives or, or barreled balls. But the the balls that the opponents are putting in play just seem to find every little hole or every little miscue by the defense. Uh, and and it, and then it snowballs. You, you can tell uh, with the expression on his face uh, that he knows one thing's going to lead to another. You know, uh, Jose Ramirez, who who is as as good a defender at, at third base in the American League as you're going to find, uh, you know, always seems to make a mistake when Zach Plesac's <laughs> on the mound. And and what's Plesac going to do? You're going to throw Jose under the bus? You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's just. Uh, the 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 seeing eye singles find their way up the middle. Uh, you know, uh, Andres Jimenez makes a diving stop on one, but it keeps it from going in the outfield. But it's still a base hit. There are are so many uh, examples of those over Zach Plesac's last dozen starts that that that's what this is. We we've, we've arrived at. We've arrived at this point where 
Polisak has no confidence in his teammates. He has no confidence in himself. And you can just tell by his body language. Yeah. If, you know, I, I wish they could just have like a, uh, to, you know, like a 10 day vacation DL where you could send a guy on vacation, have him sit on a beach in Hawaii or something and just try to forget what happened. I'm, Joe, this guy hasn't won since June 5th. He's, he is and six in his last eight starts. I mean, it's just, and, and like you said, the snowball is rolling down the hill. There's no stopping this thing. Yeah. I think more, more than a vacation, maybe he needs like, uh, you know, back in, what was it 2016 with uh with Larry Napoli? He needs one of those seances or or some sort of <laughs> yeah. ceremony, something to something to with Jan to... Gomes with Jan Gomes when they, and then then he went out and separated his shoulder. Well, the twins. <laughs> uh, I mean, they he needs something. He needs he needs you need to think outside of the traditional, you know, because everything is mechanically he's there. It's not like he's doing something wrong. Uh, on the mound he's just not hitting his spots he's not uh you know finishing off batters he'll get to two strikes and the guy will get a hit uh, or or drop something in somewhere it, it's everything that can go wrong for Zach Plesac it usually finds a way to happen yeah and, and he didn't help himself last night he walks five guys you know I mean he just uh it's a tough lineup to to face and and they have you know had their way with him this year they're all in, they're two and all against uh with, against Zach with uh you know with an 11.00 ERA I mean they've they've just uh nine what 11 runs nine in nine innings uh just uh they've they've kind of beat him up that's a tough that's a really they've they've done that to a lot of pitchers too that uh, the Astros yeah and, and it doesn't help when he gets the the lowest uh amount of run support in you know in basically in the American League uh, you look up; he's 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 averaging uh, well under two runs of support per game. Uh, it's something ridiculous. Like over his last uh, eleven starts, he's gotten one or fewer runs. It's it, it's really just sort of a, a mental block right now, where he knows going out he has to be perfect, and when he's not, you know things get worse and worse. Uh, the the lineup that they rolled out there had four four rookies. You had Will Benson starting in center field, making his first major league start. Uh, Nolan Jones in right field. Tyler Freeman was on the infield. I, I, you know, and then Stephen Kwan obviously in left. But, uh, you know, are we gonna? Should we expect more lineups like this for the rest of the way out from Terry Francona? With, you know, almost half of the the guys on the team are rookies. Yeah, you've got. I think you've got six rookies on the twenty six man roster right now. Um. And, you know, those four rookies last night, Joe, went 0 for 9 with four strikeouts against Verlander. I mean, Verlander had to be, uh, you know, he had to be loving that. And, uh, uh, that, you know, when he took a look at that lineup, I mean, it's just, you know, it, you, you know, that's like uh, what, what Francona has said. We're sending uh, boys against men, you know, a lot of times this year. And that was that was a classic example of it. Last night, Verlander, a two-time Cy Young winner, MVP, you know, uh, 39 years old against uh, Freeman, Benson, Jones, and Quan. Yeah, and and in spite of that, uh, with Minnesota losing in Toronto, with Chicago uh, losing, you're you're still right where you were in the in the AL Central race. You're a game back. Uh, this is a team that has an opportunity to to win a division title. 
and and yet you're still rolling four four rookies out there in a lineup. There's there's a scenario. I think there's a a situation. I could project a time maybe by the end of this season where you're starting all rookies and maybe Jose Ramirez in a lineup. Uh, if, if after September you you call up a, a Bo Naylor or a Brian Lavastida to catch, uh, it, it's a possibility that you could do that. And uh, what kind of message does that send to the team where the division is right there for the taking and and you're sticking to your plan of we need to see these guys? Yeah, that's uh, it's a tough uh, that's a tough uh, uh, you know I think it's a tough message to sell you know but it's it's kind of the message they've had you know, since day one, you know, we're going to develop, we're going to try to win at the same time. <clears throat> we've seen this, you know, we've seen these, you know, we've seen uh, Cleveland do this, you know, uh, year after year. Uh, it's just, it's just a fine line to walk, Joe, and it's a difficult one. And I think, uh, you know, you see, you know, the White Sox, uh, the Twins and the Guardians all bunched together now. And, but I, I think, you know, pretty soon one of these teams is going to separate themselves and it's going to be, I think the Guardians are going to be in a tough spot to do that. You know, their pitching is struggling, uh, you know, and the lineup, you know, is we, we've seen this lineup. It's kind of, it hasn't changed its MO. It's still a feast or famine lineup. And uh, I just, I, I just don't know if you can win, you know, if you can win a division with this many rookies, I, I just, just don't know. I mean, and, and you got to play them right. They're up here. Right. Not, you don't want to sit them. Right. Uh the message that you're sending to guys like Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber, who, you know, this is a year of their prime. You, you signed Jose Ramirez to the contract extension. Uh, he's given you a first half uh, that was out of this world in terms of numbers. Uh, Shane Bieber, you're, you've got, you're, you're basically on a clock until he becomes a free agent. You're in pretty much the same situation you were in with Francisco Lindor. What's the message that you send to those guys that you're basically wasting a year of their of, of your your prime of having them, you know, uh, trying to find out what rookies you're going to have for your future uh, when they want to win now. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's the age old problem, you know, especially when you don't make a move at the deadline. We have a chance to help the team, and you choose not to. You know, you I guess you choose. You know, the deal you wanted, the deals you wanted to make didn't. Uh, you know, reach fruition. And, you know, you, you say we, we like the team we have right now. We're going to move forward with that. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, Bieber and, and Ramirez uh, have to buy in and, uh, you know, kind of move forward, but it would certainly, uh, I think it would have helped if they added a guy or two, if they added a hitter or, or, you know, at least, you know, made an effort to improve this roster and give give those guys in the clubhouse a feeling that, hey, the front office believes we can win this thing. Yeah, uh, Bieber, after the game on uh, uh, Wednesday, yeah, when, after the game on Wednesday night, Bieber basically spoke the words but didn't sound like he was buying them. You know, he said, you know, the the, off, the front office believes in the guys that we have here and we believe in them. But you could tell it's it's – he he wanted more. He wanted some sort of move to be made, uh, you know, without without putting words in his mouth. It just sort of looked expression wise that, you know, he was he was disappointed that uh, a trade deadline move wasn't made. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. And, and, you know, you've got you've only got Bieber for a limited time. I really don't think that he's going to be sticking around much past uh, 
his his free agency not going to be signing a long-term deal if he hasn't already uh as far as the guys who are going to be here Stephen Kwan uh extended his hitting streak uh late in the game last night he is now at what 18 games uh as far as his hitting streak uh challenging Michael Brantley for the Guardians franchise rookie record of 19 he goes for tonight uh Brantley was 2010 he hit in 19 straight games uh Quan looking to do the same uh tonight against the Astros yeah just uh you know Quan goes uh 0 for 3 against Verlander <clears throat> strikes out in the first inning and the, but still you know in the eighth inning still you know you know bounces one through the middle uh to keep that streak going uh, you know, that, that was probably the, the silver lining of last night's game. You know, the, there wasn't too much else going on there. And uh, just uh, he's really, you know, he's fun to watch, Joe. Uh, you know, we've talked about him. Kind of reminds some people of Ichiro, you know, <clears throat> the swing and stuff. I don't know if he's as strong as Ichiro, but, you know, he certainly makes contact. He runs well. And we're seeing, <clears throat> you know, during this streak, we're, we're seeing the whole the whole package that he has to offer. Yeah, don't forget, uh, you know, we first saw Ichiro when he was later in his career. He had he had played a few seasons in, in Japan uh, and came over. So he had time to develop that that sort of strength and, the, and, and a little bit of power. Maybe maybe if you give Stephen Kwan a few years, uh, he, you know, he puts on a little bit more uh, muscle and is, and is able to, to drive a ball the way that Ichiro was. Uh, you know, it's not like the either of them are, 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 are big, huge build guys, uh, but yeah. But yeah, he maybe he fills out a little bit. You don't want him to lose any speed or or, or flexibility. But uh, certainly looks like he's he's taken to that left field spot and he's uh, he's playing well out there. And and the leadoff spot, obviously, he's he's really you know sort of generating the offense for for Cleveland uh, lately. Uh, we do talked. You, to, go ahead. Do you think uh, Joe is he the leadoff hitter? From you know, probably from here on out. But is he the leadoff hitter next year, or do they do they go back to straw? You know, that's going to be an interesting uh, situation. I mean, I think straw is pretty comfortable down there in the in the ninth spot. Plus, you you can flip the lineup over a little faster if you've got uh, him down there. I it, yeah, did you did you sign straw to that uh, contract extension thinking he would be your nine hitter? Probably yeah. not, but. Uh, it's it's more about productivity right now than it is about you know what you envisioned a guy doing. Uh, yeah, I, if they continue hitting the way that they're both hitting, or or, or even improve uh, over the last two months of the season, yeah, I see them staying right where they are. Yeah, I think he's earned that. I think Quan has earned that leadoff spot. I mean, he's certainly kind of a dynamic, like you said, a dynamic hitter. Sets the tone for the rest of the lineup. And and the way that that Tito talks about him, uh, you can tell he has an eye on the future in terms of, you know, what he's thinking about his development. So, uh, yeah, I don't see a reason why Quan, you know, wouldn't be in that leadoff spot, uh, at least for the for the foreseeable future. Uh, we talked about uh, we talked about the, the pitching rotation and and the struggles that we've had here. Uh, Friday night, we get to see. Uh, the next sort of the next step, the next man up, Hunter Gaddis, the big right hander, is going to get the call from Triple A. He'll come up and make the start against Houston. Boy, what a what an introduction to the major leagues for your debut! You get to face the uh, the Astros uh, with only two Triple A starts under your belt. Hunter Gaddis, 
six foot six, 260 pounds from Georgia State, uh, 2019 fifth round selection. Uh, he started out in Akron this season and dominated in Akron. I saw him pitch uh, it, it, it at the Rubber Ducks, and uh, in the game that I saw, I think he retired eight of the first nine batters he faced, and, and then he walked like uh, five guys. I, actually, I, th- I think it was he struck out uh, eight of the first nine outs that he recorded were via strikeout, and he, he walked like five guys in that outing. But uh, he... He can dominate a team. He, he he did so at AAA in two starts there. He was 1-0 and at a 1.76 uh, ERA. Uh, I'm sorry, a 176 batting average, a 2.14 ERA. Uh, and and Hunter Gaddis is, is, is going to be the 13th Guardians player to make his Major League debut uh, tonight against the Astros. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – <laughs> Joe, we've seen this how many times? The the uh, the players' parents are in the stands. You know, Bally Sports, uh, Great Lakes will show a shot of him jumping up and down when he takes a mound. Uh, you know, and like we were talking about yesterday, you know, these guys go through the same rituals. <clears throat> you know, parents come. They get souvenirs from their first game. Uh, and, uh, you know, you go on from there. It's a day to remember. But I thought, you know, it's interesting the way this came about because, uh, you know, originally they were going to go with the, uh, you know, the bullpen game, you know, uh, uh, Brian Shaw and uh, Kirk McCarty that, you know, kind of beat beat Boston and beat uh, Tampa Bay. They came away with wins out of those two games. But, you know, Shaw and McCarty were both needed last night to uh, finish the game against Houston. So, you know, you kind of flip, I get, I don't know if they flip a coin or they just go with Gaddis and, uh, you know, you bring him up and it said, big boy, go get him. Yeah, it, it probably had, I, I believe Connor Pilkington uh, was in line to be able to come up and, and start, but they, they decided instead of going with Pilkington, they, they went with Gaddis. Uh, other option would have been maybe a Xavion Curry if he was, was in line in terms of a day's arrest or whatever. Uh, both of those guys uh, have been pitching well at at Triple A. Uh, Gaddis, I, I don't, I don't know. That I'm, I'm curious to ask Tito what the reports were from Andy Tracy on Hunter Gaddis and and what you know made them sort of you know pivot and decide to go with him. Uh, is, is that you know they're they're in the middle of the game last night. They decide uh, between uh, Tito and Carl Willis. They decide okay. Let's go with Shaw. Let's go with McCarty for three innings to finish out, knowing that if they do that, they they have to you know make a job, make a move or or something. He, he says, you know, Tito says it's uh, you know someone has to lose a job if if we do that. Um, and it was McCarty. They talked to they talked to him. They sent him down. They optioned him. Uh, but now you also have to make a move on the forty man roster. You also have to clear a spot to get Gaddis up uh, to to Cleveland. Uh, you know, maybe an Anthony Castro is, is somebody that they, they decided DFA, for, you know, for the second time this year. Uh, it, it all, it all depends. There's a, a bunch of little moves, a little, little wiggle room that they can, uh, create for themselves. But in terms of, uh, starting the clock on, on Gaddis, yeah, it's, it's time to go and it's time to show him, you know, what he's got. Yeah. It's, it'll, you know, it's always kind of exciting to see somebody make his big league debut, you never know exactly what's going to happen. You know, sometimes a guy can, you know, just pitch lights out. Other times I remember when Greg Swindell came up and made his big league debut against Boston and 
It was like 28 to three after the game ended up. He, he pitched like three innings and was gone. And, you know, so you, you really never know uh, what, what it's going to be, what the outcome is going to be, but it's always kind of exciting. There's, you know, there's a buzz in the air when, 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 a, you know, a rookie is making his first start and you just don't know what, what's going to happen. Off of uh, off of a college season, he came right out of college, didn't he? Well, uh, he came up from Double uh, A, I think, or maybe A ball. I think he would, he had made about three or four starts, and and I wanted to say, I think it was Double A, but, but that had, was at, after his college season had ended, right? Yeah, pretty sure. Same year, yeah, yeah, right. So they had pitched him like they killed him in Texas. Exactly. <laughs> That's why that was the point I'm making. Is you know he's coming off a full college season. Then he goes and makes some minor league starts, and then you call him up to the to the majors, and it's like, whoa! Yeah, uh, they don't even do that. I mean, the in uh, the Guardians, don't, they don't let let any of their draft picks pitch the same year they're drafted. All these guys will go to Arizona and work out, and maybe you know play some inter you know inter squad games, but they don't go out to, into the league, you know, in, into affiliates. Yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be interesting, and like you said, there will be a buzz, you know, with Gaddis making his major league debut, but. Uh, we'll see how that goes. There are, there are patterns that we've noticed, you know, 13 times this year, guys have come up and, and made their debuts. And, uh, you know, they, if they, if they get a hit in their debut or if they, you know, get a win or, or a bunch of strikeouts, you know, they, they, they give them the beer shower in the, in the locker room afterwards. If the, if the pitcher gets his first win and, uh, it, it's, it, it's interesting the, the, the patterns that they fall into, like you said, uh, you know, that the TV crew shows the family in the stands, uh, after the game, uh, the, the the players usually out on the field. I we watched uh, Tyler Freeman after his major league debut had a, a whole group. There were 20, 25 people out there on the field, and uh, the grounds crew, uh, Brandon Kanky, was uh, very adamant about watering the field while uh, Freeman's t- uh, family was still out there taking pictures. And I've, I've actually got a couple of photos of it. Uh, it's Freeman and his family standing there taking photos and <laughs> hugging and talking. And the grounds crew very obviously and impatiently waiting, holding the the hose, like very close. And every time one of the, the Freeman family group would walk off the, the grass, uh, Kanky and his crew would water the spot that they were in. And is, as as like trying to send an obvious message, hey, get off my lawn. Uh, it was it was really kind of funny. Uh, and then over on the other side of the field, uh, Tommy Herman, the uh, the starting pitcher for the Diamondbacks that same day who had also made his major league debut was on the field with his family. And the, the crew was on the other side of the field at the same time, watering him, watering him off the field. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was just uh, really an impatient scene. And I, I took some photos of it. It was, it was kind of funny um, to, to watch. I, I, I would probably get in trouble if I, if I posted a story about it just as a, as a <laughs> note maybe, but uh, uh, it was, it was interesting. Uh, I'll have to ask Tyler uh, in, in the clubhouse today what he thought about that. Uh, all right, uh, tonight, so we've got Hunter Gaddis. We've got Framber Valdez going uh, for the Astros. I wonder if Framber remembers the uh, uh, the 10 pitch, there was 11 pitch, 12 pitch at bat by Jose Ramirez in Houston that resulted in a home run uh, against him uh, earlier this season. Uh, I, I wonder what that matchup's going to look like at the beginning of the game today. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Uh, you know, we you know, Jose looks like I think he's got to hit that second gear again. You know, he's he's kind of been uh, a little 
idling. So I, I think if he if he gets going again, that would really help this ball club. They 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 need a boost. Yeah, well, the, the guy didn't get a break during the All Star break, so maybe he uh, yeah. maybe he's about to, about ready to to kick it into gear. All right, Hoinsey, we'll be back on uh, Monday with another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.